Man, now imagine a whole song of that. Maybe it'll get a little old, but that clip is just way too short. I know that much. <clears throat> As we dive into chapter 10, uh, my notes begin with something that I guess is a critique of culture, is a critique of Western society as a whole right now. And we live in a culture that rewards and encourages the masculine energy in both sexes. It may not be enough for a man to be masculine. He must be more masculine than her. And I'm sure that that has contributed to a lot of the um, more egalitarian ways of being in in, uh, relationships, right? Uh, for the most part, in Western cultures, women have been able to gain a lot, uh, 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 gain a, a big foothold in um, monetary gains, right? So we're not so much in a dependence, uh, in a dual dual dependence culture right now, right? The woman doesn't have to depend on the man for resources and for housing and things like that. All of that she can attain. And she's been able to do that in a very short amount of time. And I don't think the culture has caught up to that yet, right? Men haven't adjusted to that. So uh, culturally, being a provider, culturally being um, a source of uh, resources is still something that men almost still pride ourselves in for the most part. Um, but that dynamic has to change now because it is no longer... Um, it is no longer sustainable. I guess, right? Uh, women are able to garner their own resources. Women are able to uh, do the things that historically men have been able to do or men's roles in relationships, but it's not necessarily the other way around. Uh, men aren't providing those things that uh, women provided independence relationships. So we're at an impasse right now. We're at a really difficult time. And I think that this is really beautiful because this helps us renegotiate the social contract. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about ad, um, acknowledging that we are currently renegotiating the social contract. So let's see what works best for both of us, for all of us, and um, let's see how we can move forward. Women want room for their masculinity, it says on page 201. And again, this isn't something that men are taught to do. This isn't something that men... Um, know how to do off rip you know what i mean like this is something that is very very new in the relationship dynamic maybe in the last two generations so how does that how does that fit uh when you're watching so many disney movies when you're growing up watching shows like boy meets world or uh dang what's that show with topanga yeah that's boy meets world wonder years um there's so many shows that if you grew up in the late 90s um you had an image of even if you just go and we watch so many Disney movies, there's this image of masculine and feminine. And while while it's changing, there isn't uh, discourse or there isn't um, education around how that can be more healthy for both partners. So men are still looking to be this Prince Charming thing. And women have the option to being the damsel in distress, but that option doesn't seem so attractive now that you can make your own money. You can uh, find your own career you can ascend the ladders of business, professional um, education, things like that. And I guess those historic uh, roles aren't switched, but they aren't being fulfilled by the same energy anymore. Um, this works fine for friends. The book says, 
This works fine for friends and business partners, but does not allow for full sexual polarity to develop intimacy. And I think that's another reason why divorces may be so high, uh, why these generations are getting married way later in life, why relationships don't seem to be sustainable anymore, uh, that with social media and the uh, perception that we have so many more options, which really isn't true. Uh, well, I guess we do have more options, but the options that you have probably aren't what you think they are. <laughs> uh, we can get into that another time. But uh, to develop those deep, intimate bonds, right, um, There to develop that sexual polarity that is crucial for a relationship to last the long term, um, there isn't a way of kind of um, sustaining that anymore. Or how? How can we? How can we sustain sexual polarity when both parties can fill the gap of resources. Um, both parties can fill the gap of providing. And there isn't kind of a counterbalance to that just yet. So there's going to be a readjustment, I'm sure. But for now, uh, we are in a very masculine time for both sexes, for anyone involved. The book says, I quote, for the most part, women are ahead of men in the evolutionary in the evolution through the stages. And by stages, we're talking about dependence, uh, which is, you know, the man has a role, the woman has a role and both are dependent on each other. The man is dependent on her for the household, for the children. She is depending on him for the house, <laughs> for uh, property, for resources and this moves into the 50-50 relationship, which where I think we are now, which is where I think we are now. Um, everything is being split down the middle, right? Um, you are splitting rent, you're splitting car notes, you're splitting groceries, um, you're splitting time talking and time listening. Everything is being split 50-50 in an egalitarian kind of way. But that is uh, at the cost of sexual polarity. Um, and sexual polarity is very necessary for deep intimacy. So right now, relationships may not be all that intimate right now. Uh, relationships may not be uh, seen as very necessary because we all can do it on our own. So why not do it on your own? Women are more capable of moving from dependence relationships to 50-50. When people have to move to more 50-50 relationships due to financial woes or anything like that, do they ever return to dependence? Um, does this relationship suffer with both partners having to having more say? Um, once both partners start making money, is that a temporary thing? And in many situations, I can imagine it is. You know, if they, let's say you have a partnership where uh, children are on the table, but we want to have more resources before we do that. Do you take time to, okay, we both of, both parties are going to work. We're going to work full-time jobs for the next two years or something like that. And then after that, one of the parties is going to stop, and then we're going to start getting more serious about children, more serious about whatever we planned on um, prior to both parties being fully employed. Does that mean that we go back to the dependence uh, relationship? Is that necessarily bad? Um, oh, I didn't talk about the third stage. Um, the third stage would be intimate communion. The third stage would be both parties giving fully of themselves versus having a 50-50. Both parties being absolutely into 
creating the relationship as um, as as a whole as one, like one plus one equals three, right? Each party brings exactly what they're going to create or brings their resources to create this relationship as a third entity. And this third entity isn't dependence. It isn't 50-50. It is both of us fully engaged uh, with our feminine and masculine energies to be able to create and maintain not only sexual polarity, but any other parts of a relationship that need sustainability, uh, that need to be sustained by um, reducing ego, by understanding what what each party brings, and uh, making that as functional as possible. I think about how difficult it could be for some men to see their role in a relationship being so expendable almost, right? We're in a generation, again, there's been a lot of single-parent households that were not led by men in this generation and the last generation. And I can't imagine how that feels to... I guess I can't imagine. Uh, but I don't have children, so I can't imagine that aspect of it. I can't imagine what that feels like when it feels like um, your role or what you have to do has been diminished or can be you can be substituted easily, right? So, for example, let's say two single mothers can move in together, move their children in together, and create a household. And because they both can work professionally, because they both can um, also bear children, there doesn't seem to be that need for the man's resources. Now, in a relationship, there men definitely, the masculine energy definitely bring more than just resources, right? There's a leadership, there's structure. But all of those seem to be very um, expendable in this culture, and that needs to be corrected. There definitely needs to be more of an acknowledgement of what both uh, sexes, both, what both uh, sexual energies bring to the relationship and a return to the appreciation. Oof, man, I am uh, a student of what our um, social contract is right now. And historically, there's been a lot of mismanagement. There's been a lot of abuse. And I think we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can move from one stage of relationship to another. Actually, scratch that. Ideally, sexual polarity is maintained when partners are at the same stage, right? When both partners choose to be more egalitarian, um, then they can both move to a 50-50 relationship. But I can't imagine how difficult it is when one party wants to move from dependence to 50-50, right? Um, Let's say he wants her to start uh, paying bills or um, doing things that are typically uh, the role of the masculine. And she may not be interested in that at all and how that affects the relationship in the the negative. And how how are you supposed to move on from that if he wants it and she doesn't want it? Or if she wants to start working and she wants to start making her own money, she wants to start creating her own business, um, it it may feel like a slight to him. It may feel like she's trying to gain 
um, some advantage over him so that she's not under his thumb, quote unquote, or that she um, doesn't want to uh, fill, she doesn't want to play her role. She wants to do something else instead. And if both parties aren't on the same page in that dynamic, that definitely is a cause for trouble. When it comes to fulfilling that role, when it comes to playing that part, I think the feminine role, while it may not be a leadership role, it is crucial for the success of that leadership role. When the masculine feels burdened by life, the bad moods can be transmuted by a partner's feminine energy. So long as she knows the release he needs isn't a release from her. Rather, a release from the pressure or tension from life. She can connect to me by serving me some of her feminine radiance, fills my masculine and helps to redirect me and my frustrations and that energy that I'm putting into whatever is frustrating me. Once she does help me with her feminine radiance and redirect me into the uh, more positive aspects of whatever I'm dealing with, I feel more capable. The book says, I may, erone- I may erroneously attribute this sense of constraint to my relationship. Responsibility is a hard thing to really wrap your mind around. Responsibility is super tough when it comes to relationships in the masculine sense. There is so much... Uh, responsibility that you feel like you need to uh, stay on top of. There's so many things that you need to juggle because you're not only getting lost in your relationship, right? It's not just about you and your partner. At the end of the day, it's about the life that you want to create together. That, that third thing that you guys are creating together. And by kind of steering that ship, it feels, it can feel burdensome. And that's what I love about this part of the book. Um, it, and I have to really make sure that I understand that it is not the constraint of the relationship because in structure there is freedom, right? So if you are free to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, you can do so. But when you choose to eat those certain things or when you choose to have a specific diet, you're so much more capable. You're so much more um, free because of what that constraint provides for you. And we don't think about that outside of relationships, or at least I don't. But I absolutely see that there is a value in um, constraint. And kind of bringing yourself to that realization or really understanding that you are not a victim of your relationship that you're in, or you're not being used, or you're not just a tool for somebody else is really mature and that is something that not everybody talks about especially for the masculine essence i think there's a lot more talk about um, relationships being so much more feminine centered feminine focused and the masculine is just kind of playing a role for that feminine um desire and uh we have to understand that relationships really really work for us and our um, development and our maturity and in our success as well Oh, this is probably my second favorite part of the book because it's something that I think about when I think about my partner 
doing for me, I immediately think of reciprocation or at least acknowledgement and really kind of letting them know in the moment, hey, yo, I really appreciate what you're doing for me at this moment. Thank you so much. But that could be distracting as well. So David Data comes up with a has a has a story that he talks about where he's focused on something really um, he's focused on something, whatever work he's doing, whether it's working on his book, his podcast, his lecture, whatever. And his partner sees that he's doing that and that he's in, in, the, in his zone. And so what the partner does is she brings him, I don't know, coffee, some water, something like that. And uh, let me read. Let me read a little bit of what he says about it. I appreciate the feminine most when it isn't a distraction for my purpose, but supportive. David's partner's name is Ophelia. When Ophelia serves my mission, when she brings me a glass of water, I feel immense gratitude and appreciation for her. Her feminine gift of loving energy turns on my masculine sense of purpose. However, if I was to take a detour from my purpose in that moment to thank her and express how much I appreciate her, that that would defeat the whole gift. Rather than supporting and inspiring my mission, she would be distracting me from it, even for five seconds. Wow. 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 I have to read that again. However, if I take a major detour from my purpose in that moment to thank her and express how much I appreciate her, then that would defeat the whole gift. Rather than supporting and inspiring my mission, she would be distracting me from it, even if, for, if even for five seconds. I think that's when you can take ego out. And I don't know if all of our relationships are ready for something like that, but to receive a gift from somebody else and say, hey, this is exactly what I need right now, but not immediately convey that gift is... Uh, it is amazing when both partners know that the other partner isn't feeling slighted in that moment, right? When I can receive that glass of water and continue my editing, continue writing my script, continue, uh, you know, reading whatever I need to do in that moment. And with the full confidence that if I am supported, I'm not looking for the support in that moment, but if her feminine essence uh, provided that gift of loving to me in that moment, it is meant to boost my commitment to whatever I'm doing in that moment. It is meant to boost my purpose. It is meant to keep me focused and not distracted by, and not being distracted by having to stop and get my own glass of water. I can stay in that zone. I can stay in that moment. And I don't need to feel bad for not acknowledging it in that moment. Wow, that is something that I really look forward to taking into my future relationships. So often I've allowed her gift to be a distraction. So often I've allowed myself a reason to be distracted versus just staying in that zone and really being um, where I am, present in whatever I'm doing fully. So that is a beautiful example to me of how supportive the feminine essence can be for that masculine direction. Both of those examples when I'm being frustrated, when I'm feeling frustrated, or when I'm feeling constrained, and she she blesses me with her feminine radiance, which allows me to redirect that negative energy into purpose-filled um, decisions, into purpose-filled, well, purpose-filled directionality, or whatever you want to call it. 
I think that's huge and insanely important and speaks to how that sexual polarity creates so much more than sexual tension. It creates the dynamic for both parties to grow. So once I'm done with my project, I look forward to thanking her so much, so deeply in so many ways, whether it's, hey, let's go for a walk, whether it's giving her undivided attention, whether it's sharing that you know physical intimacy. There's so many ways of saying thank you. But in that moment of intense focus, masculine-driven focus, it is really appreciated when she knows she's not being taken advantage of, when he knows he doesn't have to stop what he's doing to acknowledge her. In the book, it says it's very important. Well, these are my notes from the book. It's very important to feed and nurture sexual polarity. Mustn't give her a reason to go into her masculine if not invited to do so. There are going to be times where, you know, directions are going to be asked by him, maybe. There are going to be times where she's she's going to go into her masculine because it needs to happen in that moment. But um, make sure that it's invited and make sure that she is not compensating for your lack of masculine essence in that moment or in that relationship. It doesn't work in the other way around. It doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't, a relationship doesn't succeed if she has to move into her masculine and he moves into his uh, feminine essence if they are not naturally um, inclined to do so. I think that really ruins a relationship. Typically, she doesn't need to push with, uh, yeah, she doesn't need to push the masculine. I push and I direct she attracts and she invites I think about that when it comes to parents um growing up in a single parent household and you're having a woman um direct her children and push her children to x y and z and then if if she's dating how can she then switch and then and not use that same energy in her relationship right and so instead I think uh attracting is something that somebody that has a feminine essence is so naturally gifted at. Attracting and inviting versus pushing and directing. And in the same token, the masculine energy, somebody that has a masculine essence, isn't going to be good at attracting <laughs> and inviting as much as they'll be good at um, pushing and directing. Either feed polarity or suffer blandness and neutrality or worse, repulsion. So if both parties aren't playing their roles, then there is going to be a repulsion. If both parties have to be super masculine, there's going to be a repulsion. If both parties, um, if due to a lack of femininity, if both parties start being feminine, there's going to be that repulsion or just that uh, neutrality as well. And again, neutrality doesn't serve the relationship in a positive way. There's no growth when it comes to neutrality. On page 218, the book says, our culture is so feminine negative. We often look upon the powers of enchantment and attraction as forms of manipulation. So when I say the feminine attracts and invites, that can be a form of manipulation and that's what we see it as, right? Maybe you're not speaking as directly 
as somebody that has a masculine essence speaks, right? Maybe you're not overtly saying what you want. Um, and in many of my relationships, I've asked for my partners to be more direct with their explanations, with their verbiage, with whatever their desires may be. But I have to acknowledge that that isn't something that is natural to the feminine essence. So if I want my partner to stay in her feminine essence, I'm also going to have to give her grace in knowing that the feminine essence communicates in a different way, attracts and invites versus pushing and directing. So really understanding what you want from your partner is crucial. If you want a partner that has a naturally feminine essence, they aren't going to be as direct with their communication as maybe somebody that has a more masculine essence can be. So make sure you acknowledge that. Quote, we've become brainwashed. We've arrived at believing that it is better to tell your partner where we want them to go than to invite them to where we want them to come. Let me read that again. We've become brainwashed. We've, we've arrived at believing that it is better to tell your partner where we want them to go than to invite them to where we want them to come. We often think the masculine way of telling someone where we want them to go is honest and the feminine way of inviting someone where we want them to come is manipulative. If you want sexual polarity with your partner in the present moment, then animate the opposite energy that you want to evoke in him or her. Feminine evokes masculine. Masculine evokes feminine. So if you're feeling super feminine, ladies, and you want your partner to be a little bit more masculine in this moment, you want them to do something that turns you on in a way that presently you're not receiving. Instead of telling him, hey, hey, I want you to be more mad. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> hey, bro, could give me some of that masculine energy. That's never going to work. That's actually going to be the exact opposite of what you're looking for. That is going to repulse your partner and make them wonder why you're being so masculine. Oh, no. 